guys, gals, and non-binary pals. Welcome back to Rosé Till Christmas Day, where we uncork a bottle and enjoy a cheesy Christmas movie with you. I'm Emma, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Abby, and this week we're going to be talking about Let It Snow, which is streaming on Netflix. Woo! How are you doing, Abby? I'm okay. Today wasn't a bad day at work, so and I have more than four hours of sleep, unlike last week. So I'm good. I have a glass of wine that I don't know what kind of wine it is. It's just red. There's no label on the bottle. There's literally no label on the bottle. <laughs> Was it something like your parents picked up? Yeah, my road? maybe. But my parents <laughs> brought it home from when they moved back back in with me, um, and it was just sitting on the counter and. Our dear friend Danny um, drunkenly opened it Oh! at like 3.15 in the morning when all of us had decided, yeah, we're probably done drinking because <laughs> Danny's a bad influence. So now I'm just drinking this undescript wine because it's open. Is it good? <laughs> yeah, it's actually good. It's nice. So cool. Shout out to Danny for opening the wine. <laughs> Props to Danny. You are a good friend and a terrible influence. Yes. yes. <laughs> what are you drinking, Emma? Oh, I'm drinking the Barefoot Rosé Moscato. Ooh. Or Pink Moscato. Either way, I enjoy it. And it gets me happy, so you really can't go wrong. Truth. Big truth. So what have you done this week to kind of keep the Christmas spirit alive? Again, more listening to Christmas music. Um, I posted one of my playlists that I made um, onto our Twitter called A Very Jazzy Christmas, and I've been listening that, to that a lot lately. And I'm also moving this weekend. Um, oh and <laughs> something that made me... Huh? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. I'm moving this weekend. Um, and something that got me all in the Christmas spirit was standing in my townhouse living room, and it's empty right now, um, and being like, I want to put the Christmas tree here, and we have a fireplace. <gasps> oh, and my so, God. Are you going to hung the stockings there? <laughs> yes. Awesome. I love it. And, like, I'm going to put another Christmas tree in the basement because it's fully finished. And, yeah, so all I was thinking about was how I'm going to decorate our townhouse, which is going to be great. So that's how I got in Christmassy spirit. I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, I'm excited too. How about you? I've been putting on like chill Christmas music in the background <laughs> while I <laughs> play Stardew Valley in mm. the living room. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds like the most magical, relaxing evening ever. It's really fun. I'm enjoying it. And then today, oh, Stardew Valley. Well, like, my coworkers were kind of talking about, we had, like, a big meeting today that we had to go to, but it meant that the girls on evenings weren't going to be able to make it to Starbucks today, and they were doing a BOGO deal today. Mm. So I, after the meeting was done, because it's my day off, I went to Starbucks and I got everybody who was on evenings a little coffee, and everybody seemed to appreciate it, and I was like, oh, Christmas cheer. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet of you. You're a good egg. Oh. <laughs> a good eggnog. <laughs> yeah, a good eggnog. That's a great way to describe somebody. <laughs> <laughs> what is your um, go-to holiday Christmas drink? 
oh. at Starbucks. Well, it's the peppermint mocha, but I get it with coconut milk because I'm lactose intolerant. Right. And the coconut milk actually t- makes it taste, like it adds like another dimension of flavor to it. Ooh. I think I talked about this last week, but I yeah. still highly recommend it. It's like my absolute favorite. And then I also sometimes get like a little pump of vanilla just to kind of like smooth the flavor out even more. And it's very, very good. So mm. I um, got my first holiday drink from Starbucks of the season today. Uh, and I was very upset because my, well, not like, I'm going to burn the place down. It was just a bummer. Um, because I usually get the gingerbread latte. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they didn't bring it back this year. I know. I well, was very year, upset. Last year they had the juniper latte. And like, it was a very oh. like polarizing drink. Yeah. I, it wasn't like the worst thing, but I, it also wasn't the best thing. Well, I loved it. Well, I know, because you like gin. Yeah, I like gin. So it's like, it was like this kind of slightly boozy tasting Starbucks drink, but it also kind of like, because it kind of tastes like a tree. (laughs) Yeah. It still felt very Christmassy. And so I was sad (laughs) that it didn't come back, but like part of me is like not surprised. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, I, I I asked the barista, I'm like, did you guys bring back? the gingerbread latte and she's like no and i'm just as disappointed and i was like oh no i'm sorry i didn't mean to ruin your day (laughs) but i got the chestnut praline latte and it was still good yeah i actually got a chestnut praline today too because they were (gasps) sold out of the peppermint mocha at my shop twinning just winning they you know what my baristas had a hell of a day when i was there so like god bless them mm-hmm. they're doing great honestly yeah. baristas at christmas time like god bless oh, y'all yes they deserve oh. the world i mean baristas at any point especially like for someone like me who has to get her orders to be quite complicated because as soon as you take out dairy and then you start wanting to do other fun stuff with it it's just a mess and when they get it mm-hmm. right it's just the most amazing thing in the world so and i could not yeah. do it without you baristas you're the real mvp Woo, baristas um so this week we are going to be talking about let it snow so like i said before it's streaming on netflix it was directed by a man named luke snellen and it was written by Kay cannon victoria strauss and laura Sol- solon i want to say yes um based on the novel by Maureen Johnson, John Green, and Lauren Miracle. Um, it stars Isabella Merced as Julie, um, Shamik Moore as Stuart, Kiernan Shipka as the Duke slash Angie, um, Mitchell Hope as Tobin, Liv Hewson as Dory, who is a lesbian, Anna Akana <laughs> as Tegan, a cheerleader who is a secret lesbian, um, <laughs> Dea Rush as Addie, who is Dory's best friend, Jacob Batalon, who you probably know from Spider-Man, um, is as, is Keon. Joan Cusack is there as the tinfoil woman. <laughs> and Miles Robinson is Billy. Um, Matthew Noska is JP. And Darcy Carden is in this Woo! movie, and she plays Kira. Janet. <laughs> It is it, it is a Janet. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> Actually, no. Let's just talk about it now because she didn't have a huge role. No, and she she does show up in the first couple uh, establishing shots. Yes, she does. So, but so. she's literally like texting on her phone exactly like she's bad Janet. <laughs> yes, it is great. There is a lot of bad Janet in Darcy's performance. Yes. 
Because she's also, she's like, she's like a high-powered, like, PR executive for a record label for a super, like, super famous star, so she's kind of a bitch. And so, (laughs) she just, like, tears down anybody who isn't, like, within the inner circle, and, um... Mm -hmm. It's a pure, it's, oh God, I love her. <laughs> I love her when she's a bitch. She's so good. Yes. She's such a good actress. Um, I wish is, they had so. given her a little bit more to work with, but she yeah. is a gem. And I wish that she was just in it just a little bit more. Also, like, justice for Darcy Carden for not being nominated for an Emmy for <sighs> Janet's in season three of The Good Place. Oh, that still just, like, pisses me off. Like, I... Every time I think of that episode, I think of her as Jason going, oh, Ugh. dip. She's so good. Anyways, this is not the Darcy Carden appreciation pod, but we should create that. We should. Anyway, Emma, where's this movie set? Um, This movie is set in Laurel, Illinois. Abby, is Laurel a real place? No. Okay. Also, did you call it Illinois? Maybe. Emma. <laughs> Sorry. Get the fuck out of my house. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it is not a real place, but I think it's meant to be, like, in northern Illinois. Okay. Um, just based on the accessibility to a city and the amount it snowed. So, okay, but they were kind of acting like the snow was, like, a weird thing for Christmas Eve. Isn't yeah, that so, weird? Um, no. I mean, like, okay, so here's the thing. is I feel like it always snows... On days that aren't supposed to have snow. Like, it snowed on Halloween this year, which sucked. It snowed yesterday. So sometimes, like, we have a white Christmas and sometimes we don't. But, I mean, it's not like, oh, my God, it's snowing on Christmas Eve? No. Okay. I had a lot of issues about the way snow in Illinois was portrayed in this movie. (laughs) I would like to hear them. (laughs) I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, there's a whole bunch of like little things in my notes that are like the snow isn't that bad first of all if it does get that bad it's like a rare event yes second of all there not being any plows out or people (laughs) salting or anything like that in a northern illinois town not in my illinois (laughs) fake does not make sense I would actually, that's not something I considered, but, like, now that you mention it, I'm like, hey, yeah, where the fuck is everybody? (laughs) The entire town shut down. But did it really shut down? I mean, Because all these kids were able to make it to the big-ass party. (laughs) Okay, so, um, there's also too many hills in this town to be Illinois. Interesting. Far too many Illinois is, like, a flat... Illinois is like a flat wasteland, right? We are called the prairie state. So, yes. <laughs> uh, so what is this fictional town, Laurel, Illinois, like? Um, It's small. It has like a Waffle House ripoff that apparently is independently owned by a very young man. <laughs> um, I don't know. The adults in this movie kind of just exist in the periphery if they exist at all. Right. They've all got fantastically designed houses. Like, yes. 
beautifully. Like, you're looking at, like, this kind of 60s-looking house, and you're like, oh, it's going to, like, look like crap on the inside. No, it is fucking gorgeous. There's, mm-hmm. like, and it's, like, split level, and it was super nice. Apparently, like, it's actually quite a diverse town, which is a point in its favor. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. It seems like you're kind of, it's kind of a typical small town, but in some ways it kind of doesn't feel that way. Yeah. It feels like a typical small town towards the end, especially. Yeah. Because, like, all of a sudden all these high schoolers come together and they all know each other. Yeah. Yes, I could believe that in that respect. Like, if you have, like, a small high school class, yeah, everybody Mm -hmm. would know each other. Yeah. they've all been going, everybody's been going to school together since, like... God knows when, so. Yep. I feel that. P.S. Does this town have a Walmart? Because if it doesn't, that's pretty unrealistic for small town America. Yeah, there's nothing commercial. No. Mm-mm. How did this town avoid corporate box store takeover? I don't know. They made it with Waffle Town. <laughs> or Awful Town, as they frequently call it, because the W of Waffle is gone. It's gone. It's just nowhere to be found. No. It's not even like it's like out. Like the whole W is gone. So it's just the awful town. It's just the awful town. <laughs> Although you could call it Afel Town or Affle Town. Because like you take away the double W and suddenly the like vowel sound of A doesn't quite slip out as easily. Hmm. Sounds very Canadian of you to say. <laughs> the <Eiffel> A. Town. <laughs> it's it's the Eiffel Town. <laughs> Waffles. <laughs> Waffles. Would you like some Waffles? <laughs> <laughs> Who lives in this Eiffel Town? Lots of teenagers and minimal parents. Yes. And like one woman who wears tinfoil all the time. P.S. Joan Cusack mm-hmm. is... I love her. She, like, she's such a, like, she always plays weirdo really well. Mm-hmm. And so for her to be just kind of like this, like, lady who is just super into tinfoil, we don't ever nope. know why. Nope. But she's head to toe tinfoil. Head to toe. She must think the government is spying because she's very anti-phone. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. But I, the, in my, like, literally the first two things in my notes are in big capital letters is Illinois and then Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack and she's narrating. Yes, because I heard that and I was like, it's Joan. We love you, Joan. (laughs) But there's a whole bunch of, so the, like the kind of setup of the movie is, is similar to that of like a, like a love actually, or, um, what are some of those other movies? Uh, I love you, New York, New Year's Eve, Valentine's yeah. Day. Yeah, stuff like that, where you follow different relationships and they all somehow end up together. Like, all of the different relationships end up in the same place at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so we've got, we broke our relationships down and figured we'd go through the movie that way. Yes. Who are we starting with? The worst. The most het. <laughs> the most unnecessarily het, I might add. Yeah. Which is Tobin and Duke or Angie. But they go by Duke. I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to Kieran and Shipka as they. Okay. 
I'm going to do that. That's how I'm going to queer it up. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, so one of my counts of hetero nonsense is Angie is called the Duke because she's mm-hmm. one of the boys. Yeah. Like, she's not like other girls. It wasn't, like, something fun or, like, an inside joke. It's just because she's a girl with a bunch of boys, so she's the Duke. Yeah. She needs a masculine name. Yeah. Which, Hate mm, it. I wasn't too wild about. I'd be super into it if Angie was, like, like, part of me thinks that, like, the Duke is, like, she, Angie's really clinged to the Duke name because they feel like... This is me headcanoning, by the way. Because mm-hmm. they feel like um, they don't really fit in the binary. And mm. so they're still on their non-binary journey at this point. Yeah. And so I can see how attaching themselves to the Duke would mm. kind of help them. But this is me just spitballing. <laughs> I'm trying to make yeah. this more interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But the Duke and Tobin have been best friends since they were, like, what, five? Yeah. I think that's established when he and Keon are talking at Keon's house. Keon has the greatest line, which is, you just <laughs> want the same relationship as before, except with more boning. Which is a really perfect way to describe the friends to lovers trope, really. Yeah, oh, so, yeah. Beautiful. Just, you want Good the job, best Keon. friend, but, you know, you want to bone them, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, Keon. Poor Keon. Getting, so, <laughs> Keon wanted to throw a giant Christmas Eve party at his house because apparently his parents were going out of town. But turns out the flight got canceled because of the snow. Not really a thing all the time in Illinois. I mean, it is, but, like, come on. You would have to at least anticipate that. You would right. have to anticipate. Okay, so it's snowing a lot and your parents are trying to leave. Like, maybe anticipate that they might be coming back. Mm -hmm. But also, he is a teenager, and so we cannot expect the greatest forward thinking in that regard. He just sees party time. Yep. So, Keon is very much so a catalyst for Tobin telling the Duke how he feels. Yes. Basically, their entire plot is the Duke kind of trying to figure out the perfect time to tell the duke how he feels tobin telling the duke tobin telling the duke i don't know how that came out you said the duke telling the duke (laughs) (laughs) the duke needs to have a very serious conversation with themselves Um, (laughs) (laughs) but it also opens with um tobin god bless him he's trying to Get rid of um, the hair around his areola (laughs) by shaving. And I'm just sitting there like, no, you poor baby. (laughs) Who told you shaving was the way to do it? Pluck. (laughs) You have to pluck in the shower. Yeah, that's the important part. That's the important part. So he ends up bleeding and so it and it and then he ends up cutting himself and it bleeds and then it kind of becomes this in joke throughout the movie and there's a couple of like kind of weird jokes about that that I wasn't super comfortable with. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. But it is it 
So when Tobin comes out and then the Duke realizes that there is like a perfectly ring-shaped circle of blood on his shirt. <laughs> uh, they're like, your nipple's bleeding. And Tobin's like, oh, yeah, I was uh, doing push-ups over broken glass. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I can't believe the Duke fell for that. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> But, like, maybe they're just trying to, like, be a good friend and not push the matter too much you know clearly it was an embarrassing situation we don't have to go further with it um and then tobin and the duke end up meeting with jp because they're gonna go play broomball p.s is broomball a thing in illinois um i've never i'd never heard of broomball it originated in i'm looking at the wikipedia it originated in Canada. It doesn't surprise me. It's a bunch of people running on ice. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen anybody play broomball before. So. Me neither. It, it wouldn't be that. If you're. Mm, I'm trying to think of like what I tend to see people playing around this time of year. It's more like football, even in the <laughs> snow. They will play football. But yeah, don't they. Don't. Um. Tobin and the Duke usually do like a movie. They usually do a movie marathon on Christmas mm-hmm. Eve. But then the Duke is like, wait, JP, this very attractive guy is uh, home from his first semester of college. Let's go to his party. And this gentleman is definitely older than like 19 years old. <laughs> and it kind of seems like he and the Duke maybe have a thing. But I'm also going to say this. When he was open and welcoming to mm. Tobin on the ice, mm-hmm. I was like, there is a jock nerd dynamic here, and I am here for it. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was totally shipping JP and Tobin. Okay, it wasn't just me. <laughs> no. Well, and like, they have and I really think good chemistry. <laughs> they do. They do. And I think, I think you're supposed to kind of... The typical movie trope would be that you would also hate JP. Like, you would no, side with lovely. Tobin and be like, fuck this guy. No, JP is actually very sweet. He is a typical hashtag capital W, capital B, white boy from his first semester of college. Probably took one humanities class. Maybe even a gender studies class. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's like this very capital W woke kind of guy mm-hmm. but like he he is very genuinely kind yes especially to tobin even when tobin's being an asshole to him yeah also tobin gets on the wrong side of like these like burly dudes and like apparently they've been the, to jail and there's the like, reston brothers and like there's like an across town chase for some reason i may have zoned out at the wrong point but <laughs> yeah so the reston brothers kept beating up tobin during broomball Mm-hmm. And then Tobin gets a call from Keon, and Keon's been called into work at Awful Town. Um, and he might as well go anyway because his parents are back. And he's like, We're going to throw the party at Waffle Town instead of my house. We need alcohol. And Tobin's like, I got you, and steals a keg from the Reston Brothers party. 
Oh, I definitely zoned out at the wrong point. <laughs> <laughs> so that is why the rest of brothers were chasing Tobin, the Duke, and JP. And, yeah. like, they're all a very good team. You know, they're all yeah. together to try and uh, escape the Weston brothers. And then when they run into a ditch, they're like, okay, let's go hang out inside the church. Mm-hmm. You can tell Tobin's still trying to figure out what's going on between JP and the Duke. Mm -hmm. But there's also, like, this really sweet moment because Tobin and the Duke are, like, both, like, super into music. Mm -hmm. So they start singing this song that I've never heard in my life. Um, But (laughs) it's it's really sweet because, like, they do it, like, really well and, like, there's harmonies and, like, JP's into it, like... And then he starts dancing with the Duke, and then Tobin gets jealous and, like, makes a scene. Mm-hmm. And then, so then JP and, and the like, Duke kind of have to hash it out after that, which yeah. is weird. Well, like, Tobin's not just, like, a regular jerk in this situation. Like, he's a straight-up jerk. Mm-hmm. He starts calling the Duke Angie. Which he never calls her before. Right. Never calls them before. Right. They're like, what's going on? You never call me Angie. And then for the rest of the movie, he calls them Angie. And I'm like, stop. But yeah, he's he's being a little whiny baby boy because another man is interacting with the Duke. Yeah. Like, yes, it, it's kind of flirty. But also, like, I feel like, like, JP was totally into them singing. He's like, yeah, this is awesome and just wanted to be part of it. Yeah, and it's like if he just talked to the Duke and asked, hey, is there anything going on between you and JP? And, like, he could have, like, reapproached the whole I want to start boning conversation a little bit differently based on her response, but he mm-hmm. never seeks that out. He just no. makes assumptions. Because he's and a that's high very school frustrating. Boy. Yeah. It's amazing what communication can do. It can save you at least half an hour in a movie. Yeah. Which would make it so we would have much less movies. Yeah. <laughs> or at least in this case, maybe less hetero and more gay. Yeah. So then Tobin storms out and he decides to like hang out in his car until um, the tinfoil woman picks him up because he is waiting for his car to be towed. And so when his car finally gets towed, oh, and he also has like the final standoff with the Duke. So then Tobin brings the keg to the party, but then he meets the brothers. The <laughs> Reston brothers. He meets the Reston uh-huh. brothers. And he finally, like, he, like, stands up for himself and he's like, I'm a nerd and I'm proud and I oh. stole your keg. <laughs> he, I, I wrote down the three things he mentions. He... Tobin's like, so what? Like, I went to piano camp, and yes, I overcame a peanut sensitivity, and I was terrified of raccoons, but six months in therapy, I'm not scared of them anymore. <laughs> and the Restons are like, for normalizing therapy for your trauma. Honestly, right? that was fantastic. Raccoons. <laughs> but then the Restons are like, we love this guy, he's crazy, and so now they're buddies. Yeah. And a single keg is going to cover all of these people at the Waffle Town. <laughs> and there's, like, at least 50 kids there. Like, mm-hmm. no joke. That's not enough keg. Like, so there, people have snuck in booze, and we must accept this because that keg is not enough. No. That keg is supplemental at best. <laughs> that keg is, um, 
A chaser. Yeah, I don't use those, so. Yeah, I don't drink mm. enough to know for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not a little bitch, so I don't need a chaser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. I just usually take it straight when I do shots. Hell yeah. The Hell only yeah. part of us that's straight. Aye! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so now they're at the party, which is now hopping at the Waffle Town. Um, and the Duke shows up with JP, and they seek out Tobin, and the two of them confess their feelings. The Duke and Tobin, not Tobin and JP, which is how it should have been. It should have been. Honestly, it should have been a triad. <gasps> yes. Because the Duke and JP were actually, like, super adorable together. And then yes. like, Tobin and JP were super adorable together. And Tobin and the Duke are super adorable together. Let's just make it all one big triangle and be Somebody happy. write the fic. Write the fic. Write the fic. Write the fic. You know what? This is a movie aimed at teams. There will be fic by the end of the weekend. I promise Ooh. you. <laughs> but it's not only they confess their feelings for each other. They confess them on the top of the roof of the waffle town the awful town at that point the awful town also another count of hetero nonsense tobin said that he wanted to murder jp because he was jealous that was so not cool if somebody acted like that like if somebody confessed that to me i'd be like very wary of like playing tonsil hockey with them afterwards yeah i would be like why does jealousy bring up such violent tendencies? Is that violent tendency going to come out with me? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then the Duke tells Tobin that they didn't want it to be him, but it's always been him. Which is kind of a backhanded compliment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I guess, I, I mean, like, if you think about it, it's probably because they didn't want to ruin their friendship and whatever. But mm-hmm. it's like, also, you didn't want it to be me? Cool. I just said I was going to murder a guy for you. You've got one who's, like, very strongly in their feelings, one who's, like, very reluctantly in their feelings. So I wonder how this is going to parse out into the new year. Yeah, this doesn't sound like it's going to be a very fruitful relationship unless they are able to communicate and get all of these, all of the shit out of the way first. Yeah, Tobin needs to go back to therapy. Yes, Tobin does need to go back to therapy. Therapy is good, guys. Yes. As a therapist, therapy is good. (laughs) But Tobin does like JP because after they're done making out for a little bit, he's like, but can we still hang out with JP? Because, like, he's kind of cool. And it's like, yes, we know you want to fuck him, too. Yes, it's it's fine. You can be friends with JP and eventually you will get to the boning with him as well. Oh, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. (laughs) Do we have anything else to say about Tobin and the Duke's relationship? Aside from it's very hetero, they need to go to therapy, and they need to integrate JP. That is the most important aspect of this relationship. And if they don't, this relationship is going to fail. Yes. I'm Ed Sullivan. So. But didn't JP, like, look at Addie at the end, and they were dancing? Yeah, I'm choosing to ignore that bit. Because okay. that was forced in, so people wouldn't think they'd be a triad. And I'm not here for that. Also, Addie needs some time to herself, but we'll get to her. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's briefly talk about Billy and Keon. <laughs> not an actual relationship, but we decided it is. We decided it is. It is like two bros. 
chilling in a hot, hot tub, tub five feet apart because they're, they're not gay. But really, Billy is just there to be like the spiritual guide for Keon to throw the most mm. epic Christmas Eve party. P.S. Why are you throwing a party for your high school classmates on Christmas Eve? Don't they have family family obligations? Aren't half of these people going to be out of town? Uh, the, seriously, I wrote in here multiple times. Why is no one with their family on Christmas Eve? Exactly. There is one person in this entire story that actually hangs out with their family on Christmas Eve. Like, and then I she cannot, leaves. I know. But, like, you know, there was heart-to-hearts. There was, like... Yeah. Food. There was a dancing. You know what? She has earned her time with her friends, but like everybody yes. else. You guys, you gotta like and like not everybody in that town is gonna have a shitty relationship with their parents. So No. If this was like the day after Christmas break started, so this was the Saturday after they all got off of school, this would yeah. be much more believable. Nope, it's gotta be on Christmas Eve, otherwise it's not as magical. Bullshit. Christmas time is a magical season and it starts the moment you are freed from school. I'm Ed Sullivan. (laughs) Why are people spending that much time at a Waffle House ripoff restaurant? Right? Like, the teenagers, like, oh, not the teenagers. I'm going to call them the dance crew. They didn't quite seem like they were cheerleaders. Do you think they were cheerleaders? Keon refers to them as dancers. So I'm assuming they're like a Palms dance team. Yeah, okay, so the dance team was there for at least five hours. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody likes waffles that much. Waffles are great. Waffles are joyous. But no, that just doesn't make any sense. You know what that would have happened? They would have been invited, they would have gone home, and then they would have come back. And they would have had a good time. That would be much more believable. But they are in this still in their dance gear after that. Also, why were they in their dance gear on Christmas Eve? Exa- well, I mean, like, I could I could see if they were, like, if they had, like, a drill sergeant of a team leader who would be like, okay, we're all in town on Christmas Eve. We're going to have practice. <laughs> I think, moving back to Billy and Keon, I think I kind of loved that Keon's grandparents clearly lived with his family. I thought that was just, like, one of those, like, mm. little touches that kind of, like, just made things... A little bit more lived in for the world, if that makes yeah. sense. His Filipino family was very disappointed in him. Yes. <laughs> and, like, I think <laughs> his grandparents were, like, holding their head in their hands in the background, like, oh, this kid's such a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So poor Keon gets called in by Billy, who apparently yeah. owns the Waffle Town. I just, I don't understand. Who runs this place? Like, is is it seriously owned by a 19-year-old? You never know. Oh, the, this is going to blow your mind. We have a gelato place in town. Mm-hmm. And when the gelato place opened, the owner of the place was 18 years old. You know what? I actually learned something very similar today. Um, the guy who started Popeyes was like 19 when he started Popeyes. He sold his car to buy a chicken franchise, and it, wow. it, it kind of morphed into Popeyes. Yeah, 19 years old, and he was in a small town. So, like, I guess this is like semi believable. So maybe Billy is just from like a super rich family. <laughs> could be, yeah, could be. But Billy's very funny. He's great. He's just very goal with the flow. Listen to the universe, man. She's talking to you. 
Yeah, I actually, I was disappointed with the amount of Billy, a.k.a. Jacob Batalon in this movie. If you're going to have Jacob Batalon in this movie, you utilize Jacob Batalon, and I do not feel like he was utilized to his full potential. Yeah. What if Jacob at Batalon was the Tobin or the JP in this scenario? Ooh. Maybe I would have liked it better. Maybe. I also, I, I would really, 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 now that I'm thinking about this, I would like to see Jacob Batalon as, like, the romantic lead. Oh my gosh, he's so sincere and lovely. Yes. He's just, okay, so maybe he maybe he has been. The only things I've seen him in that I can remember off the top of my head are the Spider-Man movies and this. And, like, he's very, very, very good at playing the funny sidekick. But I would like to see a larger-bodied man of color be a romantic lead. I think that's, yes, I would agree with that. You know what? What if Ned mm. got his own little spinoff on Disney Plus? <laughs> it would never happen because of the Sony thing, but, like, wouldn't it be great if we followed Ned on his adventures of finding a girl once he's back at school and he's kind of have to get over his heartbreak of what happened on the European vacation? Yes. <laughs> I would I would watch the shit out of that. Please give Jacob Battle on the world. He deserves it. He's so good. Yes. He's a good so. egg. And like he's so okay, now I'm gonna get off on a tangent about how much I love Jacob Battleon. He's so like when they do Spider Man press tours, he's always on the press tour. Every time. Because he's a main character, but like every single person forgets about Jacob Battleon. You know who always remembers Jacob Battleon? Tom Holland. Hey man, Jacob Battleon writes. Tom Holland demands it too. <laughs> when Jimmy Fallon forgot to mention that Jacob Battleon was on the show, you know what Tom Holland did? He quote did he tweeted shame? it and said, and Jacob Battleon. <laughs> Good. Anyways, that's my Jacob Battleon soapbox. Who's our next relationship? Stuart and Julie, which is, I would feel like the, um, what's the word, the anchor relationship of the movie? Yeah, it's kind of like the centerpiece. Yeah. So, Stuart is a pop star, and he sells out arenas, and Julie is just a regular girl who happened to be on the same train as Stuart on Christmas Eve, Mm -hmm. and the train breaks down, and they're stuck for a bit, and Julie helps Stuart pick up his phone, because he dropped it out of his pocket. Relatable. Uh, sorry, <laughs> hashtag relatable. And um, she, like, tries to act all cool, because she kind of knows it's Stuart, but, like, she's not super into his stuff, so, like, we're just going to play it cool. And then she sits next to this woman, which was, was the second transphobic, kind of transphobic mm-hmm. joke. There were, she said that she was called Sir because of the shirt she was wearing. It just, she was it wearing a flannel. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't, this is a type of joke that doesn't really land well in 2019. And like, maybe we should reconsider. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Anyway, so Julie realizes they're like 50 feet from... Not 50 feet, probably 50 yards from the awful house. And so she's like, I'm getting off here because my town is literally, like, right there. 
There is literally no point for me to be stuck on this train. Stuart gets off because he's like, I want waffles. <laughs> so, mood. <laughs> total mood. So they end up walking into Awful Town together, and she's like, I don't really care that you're a pop star. I'm just like, can I help you get into town? And then, like, of course, is that typical girl meets pop star thing where, like, Mm -hmm. she kind of learns to know, learns to, like, appreciate him as a real person. And, like, Mm -hmm. man, fame is hard and it it wears on you. And that's kind of the whole gist of their relationship. But there is a lot of interesting stuff that happens between the two of them in the meantime. I put in my notes, so I was like, we love a I don't care about the famous boy, but I'll fall in love with him trope. Yes. It was one of those I love where that. I'm like, this is straight out of Disney Channel, and I am here for it. So it's good. straight out of Disney Channel, and it's also straight out of, like, Wattpad. <laughs> where it's like a reader X insert celebrity here fic, where you're like, I don't care about Harry Styles until you run into Harry Styles, and you're like, I'm in love with Harry Styles. <laughs> and he loves me because... I don't care that it's the celebrity. I see the person that is Harry Styles. Yes. It very much so plays on that trope, but it's also very, 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 very cute. And I love them. I think they're a fantastic relationship. One of the things that I found really remarkable about this relationship was an interracial relationship that was not between a white person and a person of color. It was two people of color who happened to be in a relationship together. That was really cool to see. It was between Dora the Explorer and Miles Morales. They go to Awful Town. And he talks about how he, like, he supports a lot of charities and, like, he does a lot of, like, hunger-based charities. And he kind of gets out there that they didn't have a ton of money growing up, which also would probably play into I don't like to waste food thing, which, hello. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I also grew up slightly poor and I hate wasting food. How are you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very relatable thing. Even when you come into, like, more comfortable means, like, I hate it when I have to throw away, like, vegetables and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. it drives me nuts. So, um, it was one of those things where it's like, yes, somebody on this writing stuff understands what it's like. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Also, I want to point out, when they're on their way to the Waffle House, I was just very aware of the fact that this is a man in very expensive clothes, riding in very deep snow, and there is no way his shoes were prepared for that kind of wet. <laughs> and it tr- it was very disturbing to watch, because I knew he was ruining... <laughs> At least they weren't ugly Italian boots. No, he has much more style than that. Because the people around him would not let him walk around in something that hideous. <laughs> you, Bad Janet would not allow that. Never. Never. She'd be like, I don't care if they're Italian leather. You are not spending, you are not going outside in public in those shoes. So anyway, so the dance squad spots him. And he has to basically make an escape And she tells him to go out the bathroom window. And then she manages to stall long enough to get him out of there. And then he has, like, this very adorable moment where he's like, I can't get out gracefully. And he plunges into the (laughs) snow. And he's just so relatable, you guys. Oh, my God. But, like, he kind of is, and it's very sweet. 
Yeah, he's 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 a little like socially awkward. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I don't know. I have a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> he is very cute. He's very likable. Yeah. So they get out of the Waffle House and then what happens? They're walking back to Julie's house and they come across a giant hill to sled upon. And so Stuart uses his very pop star charms to basically steal somebody else's sled. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, oh, I'll give this back. And we never see that happen, so... Oops. (laughs) You know why? Because they both go crashing. So, And there's, like, this really cute moment where, like, he has to, like, straddle her. And, like, he asks if it's okay that he puts his arms around her. And she's like... Yeah, and then they kind of have to, like, thrust to kind of get this <laughs> yeah, Emma, going. <laughs> are you writing the AO3 fic right now? I, uh, I'm not, but I could. <laughs> Somebody just has to send me an invite. <laughs> um, but the sled ride ends up being a bit of a disaster. He ends up falling off. She... Loses control of the sled without his weight on it, and she goes flying, too, and then she's in the middle of the road, and then the Westing brothers are coming, and they're gonna hit her, but he has to, like, come out of nowhere and save her, despite the fact that he just fell off a sled and is probably winded. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very brave moment. Um, yes. And then they start laughing, and it's cute. It's adorable. I love them. They're cute. And then what happens after that? We have the multicultural holiday pageant. Oh my gosh. Which is like one of the funniest parts of the movie. So <laughs> Aunt, um, Julie takes Stuart to this church. And at this point, she has told him, I've been accepted into Columbia in New York. However, I can't go because my mom is very, very sick. And I don't know if this is going to be my last year with her. I have to take care of her. Somebody does. So they won't let me defer because I'd lose my scholarship. So I'm just not going. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's just like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And she's like, you don't know me. And so. Fair. Honestly, fair. Yeah. yeah true. Truth. You know, like, if you have to decide between going away and spending time with your mother, that is a very difficult decision to have to make. Yes. Julie's mom is going to bring Julie and Stuart some clothes to change into since they're all soaked from the snow. Uh, And they meet her at the church and they go to the multicultural holiday pageant. I loved the Celtic take on it. Yeah. Because I thought the Celtic lady was really, really pretty. (laughs) Emma liked it because she's gay. (laughs) (laughs) But it was also, like, weirdly, like, thrown together. <laughs> and I yeah. Was like, this is, I hope this is supposed to be awful because this is yes. so weird. Oh, I think it's the point. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't, I, it was like, what, like, the three wise men present baby Jesus to the goddess Lakshmi? Yeah. <laughs> it was very the three, silly. The, the two wise men were also very white. I should point that out. So you had two oh, white yeah. guys in turbans hanging out there. And I think that's uh-huh. what like, weirded me out the most. Was like, mm-hmm. oh, this doesn't feel quite like we're supposed to be doing this. Yeah, no. But yeah. they enjoy that. Stuart is in Julie's grandpa's clothes. 
Yeah, and we finally meet Julie's mom. Yes. And, uh... Oh, she's, she's fucking hilarious. Julie introduces her to Stuart, and, um... Julie's mom says something about, like, how he looks like that celebrity. She's like, you look like that singer. You know, the one who always looks like he's holding in a fart when he's smiling. <laughs> yes. And then proceeds and then, to make fun of it. And then Julie's like, mom. And she's like, that oh. That actually is the singer. And she's like, oh. Well, I mean, it's like occasionally. Sometimes. <laughs> Maybe you can, like, talk it over with your PR people. <laughs> yeah. And then you remember his PR people is bad, Janet. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly things start making a lot more sense. <gasps> yeah, but Bad Jan wouldn't want him to hold in the fart. <laughs> she would just be like, let it rip, God. Mm. So we leave our multicultural holiday pageant and we go back to Julie's house where Julie's grandpa is. And like most grandpas in Christmas movies, he's one of the best characters. Yes. He's funny and sarcastic. He's like, why are you wearing my clothes? Yes. Stop wearing my clothes. They don't look good on you. <laughs> um, however, Julie's grandpa does make things very uncomfortable when he starts asking Stuart why he grabs at his crotch when he dances. <laughs> and it's kind of a little like, mm, can we not have this conversation? And he's trying to convince Stuart, like, you know, my music is better, and then Stuart's like, cool, I'm gonna play something from the 70s, and you're gonna love it, and then they bond over yes, their shared love of old music. They, It's how he earns his respect, and so they're both super into Mick Jagger, and so then they start yeah. dancing. They got the moves like Jagger, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> they start dancing, and then Julie's mom joins in, and then Julie joins in, and it's really, really, it's a cute scene. It's adorable. Oh my gosh. I I literally wrote, like, in my notes, this is so cute. Yes. Because it's very heartwarming. Until yeah. Julie's mom doesn't feel so good. Yeah, she starts, like, coughing a little bit, and she has to sit down. And I think one of the most important things about this scene is we note that Julie's grandpa is actually doing really well. And mm -hmm. he's very concerned for his daughter, and he's, like, right there helping her when yeah. she starts to feel ill. Yeah. So I think that's one of the important things that we just kind of have to keep in mind, even though I have more to say on the whole subject. Mm -hmm. So Stuart's up in Julie's room. She comes up Woo! and lets him... <laughs> There's two-thirds bottle of wine, Emma. <laughs> He's politely up in her room. <laughs> she comes up and lets him know her mom is okay and kind of, you know, continues to talk to him about how she's not going to Columbia. She's not going to tell her mom. And then he makes, Stuart makes an offer of, I can help pay for an in-home health nurse. Here so you is can go to college. I have things to say. So she has specifically <laughs> stated that she would be able to defer for the year. No, she couldn't defer. No, because she would lose her scholarship, right? Oh, 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 so oh, oh. Don't pay for the in-home nurse. Pay for her for like pay for her first year scholarship so she can stay home with her mom and have that kind of peace of mind about her and then let her go to Columbia. That is how this should be done. Does he listen? No. He's like, <laughs> I'll hire a nurse. 
But the point is, is that she wants to be there for her mom and take care of her mom and, like, not miss her mom's last minutes. And I feel like if she was at school while her mother was actively dying, that would affect her grades. So the (laughs) more responsible thing would be to be like, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to, like, help you pay for your college tuition so you can take the year off to spend with your mom. Okay? I'm Ed McMahon. Oh, my God. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Julie gets upset because she's like, oh, so I'm just going to be one of your charity cases. You love helping charities and giving to the needy. And Stuart's like, no, it's not like that. And I genuinely believe that it's not like that. Because no, those... I believe him too. Yeah, He's very genuine throughout this entire thing. I yes. never once feel like he's using her or using this experience to kind of help him grow as an artist. He's just like, right. I'm in this town. I'm with this girl. I kind of dig her. Let's see how the day goes. Yep. Like, Stuart kind of alludes to some of his, his, you know, his history. Like, he did earlier in Awful Town that they didn't have a whole lot of food growing up. And he doesn't have a lot of people around anymore. And he hasn't been happy at all lately until today with Julie. And it's like, haha, <laughs> cute. And, and while he's making the speech, he is licking his lips a lot. Mm-hmm. I would just like to point that out. She's like, okay, mister, I'm going to stay in a hotel for Christmas because that's what, that was his Christmas plans. And he's like, I don't have a family to celebrate with. So staying in a and, hotel sounds better than nothing else. And, like, we learned earlier in the movie that, like, his dad doesn't think that being a pop star is a real job. Excuse me, this man is selling out arenas in He Chicago. sold out the Allstate Arena. And you're not going to think that this kid is probably doing okay for himself? Really? Really? Like, I know, like, and, like, I know the music industry is hard to make money and everything, but he is selling out arenas in Chicago. Give the kid a little credit. (laughs) The Allstate Arena is, in fact, a real place. I'm going to see the Jonas Brothers there in December. (laughs) Cool. Which also further alludes to, because he wanted to get on a train... To kind of get away from that area that further alludes to that this has to be a somewhat suburb-ish of Chicago town. Mm-hmm. Therefore, too many hills. <laughs> There's too many hills! And I'm mad about it. I love that you're mad about it. it there are no hills that are alive with the sound of music in Illinois. <laughs> Anyways, he's licking his lips, and they're getting it. They're gonna kiss. They're gonna they kiss, gonna and then the doorbell rings. And it's because bad, bad Janet. Janet. And bad Janet is being bad Janet and tells Julie that Stuart makes everyone fall in love with him because she's telling Julie she's got to sign a million NDAs saying that like she's never seen him and she's like I wouldn't like expose him. He's my friend. And she goes, Oh, oh, honey basically, and yeah. says that every he makes everyone fall in love with him. Um, because he's, he's a, a pop, pop star. star. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then Janet's like, say your goodbyes, and then leave. Her name is Kira, but she's Janet. She's bad Janet. This is um, bad Janet. I'm sorry. Bad Janet <laughs> leaves, and then Stuart, Stuart's like, 
I want you to come with. Like, I got to see some of your world. I want you to see some of mine. And she's like, no. I'm well, good. and, like, it's Christmas Eve with her yeah. sick mother. Why would she leave? And also, like, you're just going to go spend time in a hotel, dude. What, Why wouldn't you be, like... What are your intentions like, with my Julie, Mr. <laughs> Stewart? You were having a good time. Why Why wouldn't you be like, no, I think I'm going to stay here. Exactly, exactly. Just marbleize bad Janet. Then Julie is sadly listening to the Rolling Stones in bed, and Mom comes up and is like, what's going on? And basically Julie spills and lets her know that she got accepted into Columbia, and she's mad. She's mad at her mom, not for being sick, but for wanting her to go. Because who else is going to take care of her? And mom is like, you you need you need to go. Like, I will be okay. Grandpa's, your grandpa's here to take care of me. And she says this really nice line, your life is to be lived. Yes. Um, it was which is so very, very beautiful. sweet. Yeah. And I think that was something that Julie really needed to hear from her mom. That like, yes, yes I am sick. But this is an opportunity for you. You need to take it. Yes. Agreed. I still think Stuart needs to pay for her tuition so she can <laughs> stay behind another year. But given the circumstances, this is very sweet. Yes. So Julie gets a notification on what we're assuming is like Twitter. I almost said Periscope, but Periscope isn't a thing anymore, is it? It looked like Periscope. I know, but I don't think Periscope exists anymore. It's just like Twitter Live. Or no, um, was it Snapchat? Snapchat doesn't, does Snap, ah, does Snapchat have a live feature? Doesn't matter. Know. It's I a live feature. <laughs> and she sees that there's a party at the Waffle Town. And she's like, cool, I'll go. And she goes into the closet and finds the W for Waffle in Waffle Town. And so Julie and Billy go to bring up the W, and Tobin and the Duke are still making out. They were making out for a really long time. So. And then apparently, like, Julie and Dory, who we'll get to, are, like, friends because they're chit-chatting. And Stuart's song, Stuart's Christmas song, is playing over the speakers. And she's like, you know, Julie's like, I, I really used to not like this song, but now, and then like, Stuart's like, you like it? Because he's back. And then they kiss. They finally they kiss. kiss. They finally get to play tonsil hockey too. It's yes. great. Yes. And it's, it's very, 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 very cute. I like, I like their relationship. And then, like, it's not even, like, that it stops the kiss. Like, you clearly see that Stuart's, like, integrated into the group, and he's having a good time, and he's, like, working the room because he's Stuart. Mm-hmm. And I think it just ends on a really nice note. Let's talk about Addie and Dory. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two couples left to talk about. Addie and Dory will be relatively brief, I think. Addie and Dory's story opens up with a shot of what is, I'm assuming, supposed to be a teacup miniature pig. Those don't actually exist. They do not actually exist. It is irresponsible to buy a baby pig. Thinking it will stay small for the rest of its life. It is not going to stay small. No, nope, it's going to be And the film never addresses this. And I'm very upset about it because it sends the wrong message to kids about pig ownership. 
And pigs are supposed to be, like, really sweet. They're, like, almost like, like, cats and dogs in the way they, like, form relationships with you. I get it. But Mm -hmm. nobody is fully prepared for the size that pigs grow to. And in that respect, I cannot support the pig subplot of this movie. (laughs) God, Emma. Dory and Addie are best friends and they love pigs. It opens with them in Dory's room, I think, and they're talking about relationships. And we find out right away, Dory is a big old gay and we love it. We love it. And the majority, aside from Tobin and the Duke, the majority of the hetero nonsense in this movie comes from Addie. Yeah. Because Addie sees that her boyfriend has liked another girl's picture on Instagram and then also commented on her picture a squid and piano emoji. Do you know what that's supposed to mean? No. Do Do you speak youth that well? I don't no. speak youth that well. Youth don't speak like that. <laughs> this is like some boomer thinking like, oh, youth talking emojis. No, we don't. Not not quite to this extent, because I'm trying to think of how a squid and piano would go together, and they just don't. But Addie is convinced that her boyfriend, Jeb... Is right? His That's his Jeb. name? I don't care about him because he's in it for like two seconds. I, and he has the same name as Jeb Bush. Ew. Yeah. But she's like, he's gonna break up with me. And the concerning thing isn't the fact that like he's completely ignoring her for the entire movie and like posting on his story that he's out and about with other people and ignoring his girlfriend. Um... But basically, Addie is a butt to Dory by saying something along the lines of, like, well, you don't know what it's like to be in a relationship. And it's like, okay, straight person. (laughs) Shut up. Also, Dory's options are much more limited than yours. So, Mm -hmm. like, give her time. Once she goes to college, things are going to be different. Okay? She will flourish. She will flourish in college. But in this small town, it is not going to happen, and you need to be respectful of that, okay? Addie and Dory are now fighting, and Addie tries to, walks to Jeb's house, or Jed, or Jeb, Jeb Bush's house, and <laughs> his sibling answers the door, and they're like, yeah, he's not home, he left with a girl. And so she's just sitting there until Tinfoil Woman shows up. Joan Cusack is here to save the day, and she's like, can you... Give me a ride to the Waffle Town. And this is when we find out that Joan Cusack is very anti-phone. Because she's like, you think you're going to find all of your answers there? And, like, Addie does make good arguments of, like, I can reach whoever I need to on the phone. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that. But, basically, they're attempting to have a heart-to-heart. And Tinfoil Woman steals Addie's phone. And it accidentally goes out the window. Whoops. And that's how Tinfoil Woman paid for somebody's new iPhone at Christmas time. Yes. And this is supposed to be Addie's way of learning the meaning of life without a cell phone, which is very okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Okay, Boomer. Like, but, mm, the kids are alright. Don't be pissing on Gen Z because they're on their phones all the time. That's how they organize. So mm-hmm. shut up. Yes. <laughs> so Addie finally gets to Awful Town. And sees Jeb there, Jeb Bush there, and he's mm-hmm. like, please clap. 
Oh, that's great. <laughs> Jeb is there with some other friends, including the captain of the debate team, who he is presumably, like, flirting with instead of Addie. And captain of the debate team calls Addie a psycho, which is a very ableist term. Don't use that. That's rude. And mm-hmm. Addie spills a milkshake on her head. She didn't do it to Jeb Bush, which no. Jeb Bush deserves the milkshake just as much, if not more, yeah, than Captain of the Debate Club, okay? Like, Jeb is just a straight-up jerk, but also, Addie's very selfish. Yes. Like, one, he does make a good point of, like, I don't need to spend every waking moment with you, mm-hmm. but he does need to communicate to her. But she also shouldn't have poured the milkshake on the girl's head. She should have poured no. it on Jeb Bush's. Yes. And then Dory's, like, giving... So then she storms out. Dory runs after her. And Dory's, like, giving her good advice of, like, well, one, you shouldn't have done that. And two, stop caring about people who don't care about you. So it is clear that Jeb Bush has always been an asshole in this relationship, but Addie kind of thrives on the drama. Yes. And Dory's kind of like, you know what? I'm kind of getting sick of it. And then they fight. Yes. Dory tells her that she has this insane need for attention. And that she seeks it from people who don't care about her. Which is, like, it's a harsh truth to hear, but goddamn, is Dory right? Yeah. And so then Addie decides that she's over it. She's done. Her and Dory are no longer friends and starts walking away. And is still walking when she comes across... uh, Tinfoil lady! Tinfoil woman again. And tinfoil woman and her have a nice heart-to-heart. And they get a nice pep talk. She gets a nice pep pep talk from Joan Cusack. Um, And she's like, it's Christmas Eve. It's magical. Like, if you could have anything you wanted on Christmas, what would it be? And Addie's like, I want my friend back. And they're like, cool. So Addie goes and gets the pig for Dory. This is the apology pig. It is still irresponsible. Please, children, do not buy your friends pigs unless you know they are prepared for the responsibility. (laughs) So she gets the pig, and then Tinfoil Woman brings her back to Awful Town. She runs into Dory and is like, Dory, I'm so, 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 so sorry, and gives her the apology pig. And this is when Addie gives Dory a pep talk about you should only be with people who want to scream about how great you are from the rooftops. This Um, tells me that Dory probably had a very big crush on Addie for a little bit, and like... Yeah. I thought that that was the direction it was going. Honestly, yes. But, like, maybe this was, like, something where she, like, had a crush on her best friend and she really had to work through this because her best friend was, like, so brazenly, unfortunately, hetero. Mm. hmm You know? hmm So, Dory's actually coming from a place of growth here. Yeah, this is true. Yes. <laughs> and so, Addie and Dory are best friends again. And then Addie runs into JP at the end, but it's fine because they're just friends because JP, Tobin, and the Duke are all together. Yes. Also, they lose the pig, so they're already not ready for the commitment that yes, a pig the- would bring. And I continue to lose my mind. <laughs> P.S. These are all thoughts I had when I was completely sober, so I feel very strongly about them. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about our last relationship. Which is Dory, Dory. and Tegan. Tegan. Um, 
or as I just kept referring to her in my notes as Anna Akana, because that's all I know her <laughs> as. Tegan is part of the dance crew that's at Awful Town, and Dory's like, oh my god, I know her, and goes up to the table to serve them, because Dory works at Awful Town, and oh, tells Tegan, like, I thought about you earlier today in the shower, and they were like, what? And she's like, no, I had one of those those soaps with the toys in them, and the toy was a horse, and you said horses are just big dogs, and I thought about you, and Anna Akana is like, okay. What? Yeah. I should note, I actually want to make a really good note um, before this, when she's talking to Keon about um, Tegan. So she makes this comment about exist. I can't believe I get to exist at the same time as you. Yes. And also, they talked about loving um, Goblet of Fire, and I'm like, yeah, this is where the Green Brother just like shouts from the rooftops that they wrote this. It's yes. Just very John Green at this moment. Yes. Which I can go back and forth on, but it was um, it was really cute. And I yes. love the fact that they bonded over Goblet of Fire. Oh, that was a very Maureen Johnson thing as well. Oh, really? Because Maureen Johnson, used, I think, is or used to be a LeakyCon organizer. Oh, yeah. cool. Um, Dory gets very upset, as she should be, because this is a total miscommunication. She has no idea what's going on. And then Anna kind of eventually gets up to go to the bathroom, and Dory follows her, and she's like, hey, I don't know what that was all about. And then Anna kind of just starts smooching on her. Yeah, and she's like, I get, I haven't stopped thinking about that night. Mm-hmm. And they, they keep making out until another person in the dance crew comes into the bathroom, and suddenly it's like, I don't know who this person is. What the fuck? Yeah. What? What? I don't yeah. know. And it's a very apparent to us as gays that she's in the closet. Yes. And she's not I come out. I feel like it should be i think if dory is a lesbian she should be apparent to her that this girl is very much in the closet despite what yeah. is she what whatever she has previously claimed i feel like it is like glaringly obvious if you stop making out with someone because someone you know has just walked into the bathroom that is yeah. closeted behavior to the max and so everything after that moment just feels really uncomfortable because mm-hmm. to me it's like, no, this girl is in the closet. You need to be cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's glaringly obvious that she's in the closet. Yeah. But, like, it also, like, it felt like, are you really serious about this or was this just, like, a fling? I don't mm. know. You're kind of playing games with me. And, like, I can kind of understand where Dory's coming from in that respect. Oh, yeah. Like, She's probably thinking, like, oh, my God, are you just a straight girl who was experimenting? Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I picked up on those flags pretty quickly. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I'm also not the person in the situation. I'm emotionally removed from it, so. Yeah, but, like, also, if she's that uncomfortable with you making references to that night in front of her friends, maybe just, like, back it up a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Because Dory does keep doing it, yep. So, at some point during the party, as everybody... Because apparently the dance crew has just been hanging out here for literally hours. Um, <laughs> again, no one has a family in this town. Not a soul. Nope. But, Except uh, Julie. 
Julie is the yes. only person with family in this town. Everybody else is just... And Keon. And Julie, Julie and Keon are the only people with parents in this town. Everybody else is just fending for themselves. Yep. I don't know what's happening. Yep. Um, so during the party, Julie... Or Julie. Ugh, Dory goes up to Tegan and is like, Listen, I don't know what's going on, but I thought that night was special and... I deserve somebody who's going to shout from the rooftops about how much they like me and stuff like that. And Anna Kana's like, oh, okay. And at some point... That sweat smiley emoji, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Ah. <laughs> yes. At some point they go outside. I can't remember why they were outside. They were outside. Mm-hmm. And Anna Kana comes out and... It apologizes to Dory. It's like, I'm sorry for the way I've been acting. It wasn't cool. I have to be honest with you. I'm not actually out. And Dory's just like, wait, you told me this story about how you came out to your parents and it was great. And she's like, because that's how I wanted my coming out story to be. Like, I heard yours and how amazing it was. And I want that and I don't think I can. <laughs> Which is heartbreaking. It's... It's heartbreaking, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this plot twist. <laughs> like, Oh, that she lied? Be, yeah, that she lied about being out. I feel like that would be very hard for me to swallow. Yeah, but I also can understand, like, why she did it, because, I mean, there's so many people who... And I understand... I Okay, it's a difficult and sticky situation. There are a lot of people who will break up with others because they won't come out. Mm-hmm. And it's understanding kind of on both parties, like, one, you want to be able to show your relationship to the world, and Mm -hmm. two, like, don't fucking pressure somebody to come out when they're not ready. So it's just, like, a sticky situation that a bunch of straight people shouldn't have handled. But I'm talking in terms of the writers, in terms of straight people handling it, because Anna Akana is queer. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the article now. She actually came out at the Streamies um, Uh because she won... What award did she win? Oh, the honor for acting in a drama. Because um, YouTube now has, like, YouTube Red or whatever it is. YouTube Premium. And she said in her acceptance speech, I'm not only a woman of color, but I'm also a queer woman. Um, And then later on revealed that she did not intend to come out. (laughs) She was just really (laughs) drunk. (laughs) Which is literally how I came out to the majority of the people I know. (laughs) Aww. I never meant to. It was, I was just drunk. Aww. I want to just give you a big hug right now. (laughs) (laughs) She said, so I I did not expect to win Best Actor in a Drama Series because I've been nominated every year but never win. So I got very inebriated and came out as bisexual for the first time ever publicly. Aww. Which is a big mood. (laughs) but yes so anna kind of tells dory how she feels and she's just like but you know like screw it let's do it and then they kiss and all of the the dance team happens to be in the window and they see and they're like bounding on the window and they're like yay we love you we're so excited for you which i thought was so cute it's like oh you have a girlfriend now yay i was like yay this is how i love things to go in movies and it's been well and it's cute because like 
It's the same kind of thing you'd see in a teen rom-com, like, when the boy and the girl kiss. Yeah! And, like, the and girl's like, friends are like, yay, hearts, yay, and stuff like that. you get to explore yourself in a different way now. We're so happy for you. Woo! <laughs> the reason we ended with Dory and Tegan slash Anna Akana is because it's the only gay in yep. the movie. And that was one of the reasons that we chose the movie is because we knew that there was going to be gay from the trailer um but it's probably the least developed relationship it's not the one that spends time exploring itself because so much of the time is spent with um tegan just being closeted and things being kind of weird and something else I'd like to point out is that Stuart and Julie and Tobin and Duke both got, like, these massive makeout sessions when they declared their love for each other. Mm-hmm. But then Dory and Tegan's was a lot more chaste, and I thought that was just a weird yeah. decision that was made. Yeah. And something that maybe wouldn't have been so overlooked if a queer person was directing this. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. saying. Like, I feel yeah. like the kiss, like, the kiss they had in the bathroom of all places was much more oh, intense. Oh, it was much hotter. <laughs> yeah, it was much more intense than the kiss that they had when they, like, were like, okay, let's do this. Let's, like, try this relationship thing out. And yeah. the fact that it is put up against Tobin and Duke and uh, Stuart and Julie just kind of made that difference feel so much more elevated there. And I wasn't okay with that. No, I agree. So. I agree. Yeah. Of all the movies that we have in our lineup, it is one of, or there's only two in our lineup that have some sort of queerness um, in them. And it's just, it's not normal or expected in a Christmas movie to have that. Um, So it is nice that we had it, but I also wish that there was more. I would agree with that. And hopefully, I feel like this whole, like, cheesy Christmas movie is kind of a trend that is going on right now, mm-hmm. because um, Netflix puts out a whole bunch during the year, and, like, Disney Plus launched with a cheesy Christmas movie. Yeah. So I feel like if this is going to be the trend for streaming for the next couple of years, I hope that this isn't the only story we're going to see Yeah. going forward. So I hope this is just the beginning of something. Yes. Be the start of something new. Anyways, we end our movie with everyone partying at Waffle Town because the W turns back on. It is now Waffle Town, and their families are totally cool. That these children are not spending time with them. Joan narrates the end of the movie and talks about how Christmas Eve is for the is the eve of the rest of your life. As she looks upon all the children having fun. And she goes home to, I don't know, I'm assuming her tinfoil house. She has cats. That woman has to have cats. Oh, she has many cats. And it's great. (laughs) I want to hang out with tinfoil Joan. Yes. I would like to give up my phone for an evening to hang out with tinfoil Joan. (laughs) That would be great. And then we have like a little, like, little blurp of a mid-credit scene where they're all dancing and it's cute and stuff like that and then at the very end we get a little another blurb 
of uh, Tinfoil Woman singing along to Stuart's Christmas song. And it's like, this is a really good song, which is actually Shamik Moore singing. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. I did and Shamik Moore has scene. a semi voice. <laughs> Aw. So. Give Shamik more more work. More more work. He's got Into the Spider-Verse 2 coming up. Woo! Give him more. Give, you know what? Give all of this cast more because I felt like this was a very, very strong cast. I like this cast. But it really was like a pretty all-star cast because, I mean, you have Isabella Merced who plays Dora in the new Dora movie. Mm-hmm. You have Shami Mork. Shami Mork? Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Shamik Moore. Excuse me. Who plays Miles Morales. Kiernan Shipka, who is Sabrina Spellman. Mitchell Hope is in The Descendants, but I haven't seen that yet. Um... Anna Akana is Anna Akana. <laughs> Jacob Batalon as Ned. Joan fucking Cusack, who needs no introduction. And Darcy Carden as Janet. This is actually, yeah, this is a stellar cast. Yeah. I'm well into it. So, wrapping all of this up. What was, so for me, the unbelievable part of, like, the part that challenged my suspension of disbelief was the fact that all these children were allowed to go party on Christmas Eve without their families. Mm. I don't know. That doesn't really land for me. What about you? Um, Too many hills. Too many hills. There we go. What was your... Let's let's go with the least favorite part. So, like, the worst part of the movie for you. Oh, God. It had to have been when Tobin was like, I wanted to murder that guy. I'm like, I'm uncomfortable now. This... I was... (laughs) kind of cheering for you guys and now i'm like oh this is not cool yep Great. i'd agree with we've you we've reached our problematic portion of the because <laughs> it's yes. not a cheesy rom-com if it isn't problematic right no i'd agree with that 100 yeah. percent. so then what was your favorite part Honestly, it was the moment where Dory was like, I'm so glad I get to exist at the same time as you. And she was talking yeah. about another girl. I thought that was just, like, the sweetest thing. Like, as cheesy and as, like, YA, current YA tropey as it is. Yeah. God, I love that cute. shit. <laughs> yeah. And to know it very, that it's done cute. in a very queer context just makes it so much better. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say like everything about Dory. I really like yeah. her. She's very sweet. Um, I also really really appreciated a lot of like Stuart and Julie's moments. I felt yeah. like they really understood each other and like they had genuine romantic connection. Mm-hmm. They actually um, had really good chemistry too. I would yeah, say. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't like a I didn't want it to be you, but it is you. <laughs> Yes. As in Tobin and the Duke. So. Yeah. So do you think this movie was sincere? Or were these people phoning it in? Mm, It had its moments. So sometimes Mm. it was like some people were phoning it in. And like the moments I think between like Julie and her mom and like her whole. I think the Julie and Stuart stuff. Like once they really got into it was extremely sincere. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but then there were moments where I was like, mm, we're not quite believing what we have to say as much. And mm. that could just be due to the experience of the actors mm-hmm. right now. Um, 
but I think... I think on more viewings in the future, I think I'm going to find this a much more sincere film. Yeah. Yeah. I think, especially after chatting with you about it. Yes. I think, um, like, I feel like we were ragging on the Christmas calendar much more, and I feel like we were celebrating this movie much more than the Christmas calendar. Well, and I think some part of that had to do with, um, you and I have both seen the holiday calendar before. Yeah. This is our first time watching Let It Snow. Yeah. Um, which I think will be very interesting for next week, because next week we watch The Spirit of Christmas, which is a movie that I have seen and you have not. Ooh, yes. So that'll I'm be cool. I'm excited for that. Yeah. But before we get into that, did this movie give you Christmas magic feels? <sighs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna err on the side of yes. Yeah. It didn't give me magic feels, but it did give me good Christmas love feels. Yeah, I would say Christmas love feels. I wouldn't say Christmas magic feels because it didn't, again, like, I I think with, like, the big parties and everything on Christmas Eve, it just, there is, like, again, like, there is that suspension of disbelief that just didn't quite land with me. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, it didn't quite work, but I feel like, it was it was a very cute little film. I'm yeah. not the target audience. I am 28 years old. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Are you really? But I am 28 years old. I turned I, 29 in two months. I thought you were like 26. No, Abby. Oh, no. <laughs> what does that mean about me? I don't know that you're young and beautiful. This is, this is this is my this is my subplot for every podcast I'm on. I have to flirt with the other co-host. Mm. <laughs> How are you? Uh so Stop at the it. end of the day I would say I would give this a rose cheer because I just finished a whole bottle of rose talking about it. So I'm clearly a- <laughs> I'm like literally almost done. It's great. I would also give it a rose cheer. I would also say that um, it wasn't, I, I feel the Christmas love, not so much the magic, again, because there are so many hills. <laughs> so many hills. I love how, like, our, like, our barriers to our suspension of disbelief <laughs> are, like, literally what stop us from really, truly embracing this movie. <laughs> They're they're freaking out about not that much snow on the road. There are no snow plows. There are no salt trucks. There are people like Who shutting doesn't... down the town and there's Who? so many hills. I could see, like, one or two kids who are, like, not that into spending Christmas with their family, but the entire town, it's just a little too much for me. There's just a little you know, too many hills, so I get it. <laughs> You know, so we're going to give this a Christmas cheer. I feel yes. like Christmas cheer with, like, some stars on the <laughs> side. Because we have some caveats. Okay. You know, you know, I think Emma needs to go to bed. <laughs> I do not need to go to bed. I'm quite awake, considering I've just had a whole bottle of wine. So. Okay, Emma needs to eat some food and have some water. I will agree with that. I've got some vegetables ready to go, so you oh, know. Oh, perfect. So, with that, that was our review of Let It Snow on Netflix. Next week, we will be watching The Spirit of Christmas. 
um, which is on a number of streaming sites. It is on Xfinity, so if you have um, Xfinity as your cable provider, you can stream it on there. It's on Hulu, and it is on Netflix. I confirmed that last week, I believe. And so if you are watching along with us, you should have The Spirit of Christmas watched by the 23rd of November. It's going to be the 23rd of November next week. Is it really? Oh my god. It is going to be the 23rd of November next week. <laughs> um, and I will throw out there that week four is Last Christmas, which is a movie that is currently in theaters. So I wanted to give you a little bit of extra prep time to go and see that one because that episode will be released on November 30th, which is the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, so with that, Emma, where can the good listeners find you? You can find me on Twitter at emphasis, that's E-M-F-Y-S underscore N-E-S-T. I'm also on a podcast called Sapphic Skywalkers, where we talk about Star Wars, except we're both gay, so we talk about it from that perspective. <laughs> Beautiful. You can find me on Twitter at Abby M. Cecilia, and I am also on a Star Wars podcast called Lousy Beautiful Town, where we scream about Star Wars and put our fists through things. Unfortunately, only one of us is gay. Um, the other just hasn't so been far. To yet. <laughs> um, you can... <laughs> God damn it. You can find Rosé Till Christmas Day on Twitter at Rosé Till Xmas Day. Um, and we are uploading this pod onto both the Sapphic Skywalkers and Lousy Beautiful Town feeds, which means you can hear this podcast. You can enter your ear holes on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean if you are a browser listener. And with that, Merry Happy Christmas. Happy Ho Ho and a Merry Jingle Jingle! Goodbye! Um, Please drink water, Emma. <laughs> <laughs>